Lawlessness, lawlessness everywhere. I break down the latest thuggery aided and abetted by Democrats. Then nightmare in the terminal. We pay an arm and a leg for tickets to flights that are brutally delayed and then canceled. A fed up pilot joins me with the real deal. Plus, an Instagram influencer canceled for being too conservative. She joins me in studio. And you know I have some final thoughts to close it all out. That's all ahead, and the show starts now. A bishop robbed at gunpoint, a gubernatorial candidate attacked with a blade, and thugs brawling on the transit system. Lawless New York rivals lawless California in the Olympics of rich states that have gone to hell under bad leaders. Just take a look at this video posted by the Police Benevolent Association of the City of New York. That's a 16-year-old thug punching and choking a cop after he was confronted for jumping a turnstile without paying. That young man, a model citizen by Democrat standards, I'm sure, was then, you guessed it, released thanks to New York's no bail bail reform and felon coddling policies. But to ice this lawless cake, that 16-year-old thug had been previously arrested for possession of a loaded gun and robbery. He was released the next day on his own reconnaissance. And for those who don't know what that means, it means released on the honor system that he will return to court when he's required to do so. Boy, what are the chances that happens? Slim to none. And then there's this. A Brooklyn pastor and his wife were robbed at gunpoint in broad daylight in the middle of his sermon in a freaking church as the sermon was live streamed. At one point, one of these thugs put a gun in the face of his eight-month-old baby. That's how emboldened and unabashed these criminals are. And why shouldn't they be? They aren't dumb. They know they can get away with it. The dummies are all of y'all Democrats in these cities who are admittedly worried for your safety, but yet you still vote for Democrats and DAs that allow and advocate for this kind of crap to happen. It's not hard to figure out, guys. Maybe vote for people who will keep your streets safe and your thugs behind bars. It's not rocket science. It's not even science. It's just common sense. So get some. But still ahead, flying anywhere for any reason on any airline at any time has become a giant pain in the you-know-what. But a fed-up pilot joins me with the real story, and he's telling it all. That's next. Finally, they ended the ludicrous mass mandate, but then in its place, they jacked up the price of airline tickets. And then, to add insult to injury, now they're brutally delaying the flights we paid an arm and a leg for, only to cancel many of them, but only after brutally delaying them and after us overly optimistic travelers sat for hours staring at a flight delay board. Been there, done that. Now, the airlines are blaming the usual suspects, weather, staffing shortages, and air traffic control. And while no one can control the weather, the other two things were man-made and self-inflicted. But here to break it down and give us the real deal is founder of U.S. Freedom Flyers and airline pilot, Josh Yoder. Josh, thank you so much for being here. I have so many questions for you, and not just because I'm flying tomorrow night to LaGuardia and really concerned. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a lot uh, happening here that needs to be dissected for the American public. So I want to go back to when the airlines had the vaccine requirement, because I said from the get-go what it's going to take for these vax mandates to drop off and for the government to drop their vax mandates is people like yourself, pilots that really are essential workers, to stand up and say, we're not going to go for this. And in large part, a lot of you did. Now, of course, they try to make it seem like the delays were for weather and other things. But take me back to then and what was really going on with the vax mandate. 
Sure. So let's start this conversation in November of last year, right before the cutoff date that we were given of November 24th. We were told you're going to get the jab or lose your job. No religious or medical exemptions are going to be granted. And uh, that means that about 20 to 30 percent of your workforce is going to be pushed out on the street and fired. What we did was the most effective thing uh, that people can do, which is standing up and, and protesting and standing for our rights. You know, this is the um, this is how our country was founded by people just like the people that you saw at the airlines. I'm standing up, up for what they believed in. The airlines back in November, right before that cutoff date, there were big meltdowns that happened at Southwest and American Airlines due to uh, crew shortages. But they, in fact, were telling people that it had to do with we uh, weather primarily. What you actually saw there was people that were, were too stressed out and too upset to go to work. Quite frankly, you need your pilot uh, showing up well-rested, uh, not stressed, and, and that's what they did. They put people in an impossible position to where they didn't feel they could safely fly airplanes, and that cost them hundreds of millions of dollars, which ultimately pushed the CEOs into going up to D.C. to petition the Biden administration, where they pushed back that mandate to January 4th. That was ideal for us because it gave us more time to organize. And in that time, we filed a federal lawsuit challenging the federal contractor clause of the vaccine mandate. I'm happy to report that come January 4th, um, most of the companies then began accepting religious and, me and medical exemptions because they realized that without doing that, they weren't going to have airlines. They weren't going to have staffing. They can't afford to lose 10 percent, much less 20 or 30 percent across the board. They, they wouldn't be able to function. And that's what you're seeing now. You're seeing massive crew shortages. And just to be clear, this comes from a variety of, of issues that have culminated into the perfect storm. We've always known that we were going to have a major pilot shortage uh, between 2020 and uh, 2030, about a 10-year period where 50% of your major airline pilots are going to be forced into retirement at the age of 65. In addition to that, during 2020, when there were no passengers showing up for flights, the airlines um, allowed some early retirement programs that took a percentage of people off the top. What they did not calculate for was, one, how quickly travel demand was going to come back and also the devastating effects that vaccine injuries were going to have on their pilots. And this is something that I've been talking about for the better part of a year now. And I want to get into that. vaccine injuries. Yeah, I want to get into that with you because not a lot of people in a lot of industries are bold enough to speak out about it because as we know, anytime you question the vaccine in any capacity, that's very taboo. It is censored, it is shadow banned, and you become a social pariah for even speaking on it. But you're very vocal about it. Tell me what's going on with these pilots that did get the vaccine and what a lot of them are experiencing right now? Sure. So let's first start with the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration. They typically have a, a very long um, history, actually, of, of being of being erring on the on the very safe side of everything. For instance, I can't take NyQuil and go fly tomorrow. There's certain certain allergy medications that I can't take because they say the, the side effects, you know, could cause drowsiness. And they've studied these medications for many years. As a matter of fact, in the Aeromedical um, Examiner's Guidebook, it gives guidance in there, in there that says a pilot should not take a medication until um, 12 months post-FDA approval. And the purpose for this policy is to ensure that there are no side effects which could affect the safety of air travel. So what's interesting is the FDA came out on December 10th with the emergency use authorization for these, for these uh, vaccines. And by December 12th, the FAA, doing zero long-term safety studies on their own, said we recommend that all pilots get vaccinated. And that is having uh, catastrophic effects, I can tell you. There's many stories out there. Pilots like Cody Flint, who, who passed out while he was flying, doesn't remember landing his aircraft. Um, Captain Greg Pearson, who went into atrial fibrillation within hours of his first Pfizer shot. Uh, Captain Bob Snow, who collapsed in cardiac arrest in, um, in the flight deck of American Airlines 1067. That was flying from Denver to Dallas-Fort Worth on April 9th. They touched down, and with, with no warning signs whatsoever, six minutes after touchdown, he'd set the parking brake. First officer excused himself to go to the laboratory. Captain Bob Snow, he stands up and collapses in, in cardiac arrest. 
which was a, a product of myocarditis, which we know is being caused by these shots. Those are just a few of the stories. Those are so some are they the admitting, I want to ask you, Josh, are they admitting that this is vaccine related or when these issues come up, are they trying to pass it off as something else? Because it's not just pilots. There's a lot of Americans out there right now that are experiencing side effects, but very few doctors or medical professionals will actually come out and say this is vaccine related. There is a lot of fear right. in calling it what it is right now. Yeah, that's right. It's um, it, it has become very political, and I think it, it's so upsetting that that our healthcare has become political. So no, the FAA is not admitting it because when they do, they're admitting civil and criminal liability. The unions who mandated the jab, they're certainly not going to admit it. The unions who were completely in bed with the companies and still are, they're not going to admit it. And then you have the pilot who's having the issue, who is afraid to come forward because they're going to lose their career if they do. Right? They'll, they'll, they'll be placed on long-term disability, which is a fraction of what they were earning as a pilot. So now you have a lot of people that, that are afraid to come forward here, and, and uh, we don't believe there's really a way forward, probably outside of litigation. Like The FAA needs to be forced to do the right thing. And I can tell you there are people within, um, within the agency that are, are, are very much in agreement with, with what U.S. Freedom Flyers has been saying, and those people are helping us on the inside. Uh, but I'm not sure if this will be enough to actually force the, the entire federal government to address this issue. I believe there needs to be an amnesty program that's created so that these pilots can, in fact, come forward and get help, and they can be guaranteed not to lose their pay and also not to have liability for having knowingly flown with side effects for many months. I want to go back and break this down for my audience, too, because it's a lot of information. So there is no longer a vaccine mandate, but you're talking about pilots that did go ahead and get the jab. Now they're experiencing side effects and they're afraid to come forward and say, I'm experiencing side effects because they don't want to be taken off the job. They don't want to lose money. They don't want to be fired. Is that the perfect storm or part of the perfect storm that's happening right now? It is part of the perfect storm, and there are still airlines with mandates in place, including people that are still on the street. Um, in large part, though, they have accepted religious and medical exemptions, which is which is the employee's way around the uh, around the mandate itself. So most of our people are back to work. Unfortunately, it was the threats and coercion that happened last year, leading up to November twenty fourth, uh, that that pushed a lot of people into getting vaccinated that did not want it. And I can tell you that that as soon as that those uh, shot programs rolled out, we were already seeing cardiac events and neurological conditions. And what I would like to point people to is uh, Lieutenant Colonel Teresa Long and Lieutenant Colonel Peter Chambers, both very senior Army flight surgeons who blew the whistle last year on something called the DMED data. So DMED data, just to break it down for, for understanding here, is a medical database. Whenever someone within the Department of Defense, this is any branch of service or DOD civilian, goes into a military flight clinic and you're treated for a certain condition, that ICD code is uploaded into a system. Uh, to where to where it's tracked. And the doctor, upon point of uploading that information, has no ability to go in and manipulate the uh, manipulate the data. And, and because of this, this database is considered to be one of the most comprehensive medical data databases in the world and is used for many large medical studies. Um, what Teresa Long noticed um, as an expert in this database was that starting in January of 2021, for over a 10-month period to October of 2021, she was seeing major increases in things like myocarditis and pericarditis, heart attacks, blood clots, strokes, neurological conditions, and spontaneous abortion, just to name a few. And we're talking about between 300 and you know 1,200% increases in, in these um, in these different areas. And, th and this correlates with what we're also seeing among airline pilots. And I know that the, the people that are reaching out to me are only a fraction of the people actually experiencing issues because many of these pilots have told me, they said, I have remained silent about this for months. And it's getting to the point where I can't be silent anymore. I'm, I'm afraid for my health. So the question has to be asked, 
How many other pilots are out there that are flying with these conditions? The answer is I don't know. Well, that's uh, what's FAA scary. should be doing a study. That's what's scary. And that's, that is what's that's not just for, for pilots. And we feel for all the pilots that are experiencing these things and might, you know, be have their careers impacted, but also for flight travelers. I mean, think about it. You, you might have a pilot in your cockpit who's got an issue going on and they're afraid to report it. But as you mentioned, there's already been cases of, of pilots that have been in unsafe conditions because of what's happening. And you see patterns and trends and they, they always talk about the science. But when you see those patterns and trends, as you mentioned from this database, and they're not doing anything about it, it's a problem. But I want to also talk about the pilots that just said when all this vax mandate stuff came out, they just said, you know what? Peace. I don't even want to do this anymore. Did you see a lot of that in your industry as well? People that said this just is too much for me. I don't need this job this badly and I'm walking out the door. Well, um, no, you, you really didn't see a lot of that. We were standing up and pushing back because to, to become a major airline pilot, this is not something that happens in a, in a short period of time. You typically spend a, you know, maybe 10 years, 10 or 15 years to get to these positions. It's not something that you just want to give up. You know, it, it has been a very good career in the past. And unfortunately, they've, they've made it absolutely. They've created a miserable working environment. So what I have seen now is there are, there are some people who are walking away now. They've just, they've had enough. Um, I would not say that's the majority, however. Um, but yeah, the, the, the ball is really in the airlines court here and the FAA's court. They need to step up and they need to take care of the people that they've harmed. And if they're not going to do it, that's why, that's why we have a third-party organization, U.S. Freedom Flyers, that's actually stepping up and trying to help these people. And it's pathetic. I just had a conversation with a, with a, a union head this morning. And, and he was telling me how he's so concerned about this. But they're unable to get anything pushed through because everything the unions and the, the unions and the FAA does, it, it, it's, it's very political. And so unfortunately, um, you know, this issue is politicized and people aren't getting the help. And, and we need every American citizen to get behind this, to help us uh, bring accountability, especially to the FAA. This is so important. We need to force them through litigation to actually screen every vaccinated pilot. And they've been warned about this. Back in December 15th of last year, there was a, uh, the FAA letter went out, and this was signed by very big names like Lieutenant Colonel Teresa Long, Peter Chambers, um, Dr. Peter McCullough, who's the world's most published cardiologist, um, among others, attorneys and other doctors. And they, they warned about the issues that we're currently seeing now. So the FAA cannot say we didn't know this was coming because we had data then uh, that we were including in that letter. And what it's so, so now bizarre. We find ourselves in a yeah, what's so bizarre to me, Josh, is that they have this information. Nobody wants something to go awry, especially when you're 30,000 feet above the ground. And you think that they would address this, but everything with this vaccine has turned everything on its head to where actual safety doesn't seem to matter as much as glorifying this almighty COVID vaccine. Other thing I want to talk to you about, though, is the solutions here, because we've got a wonderful Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, who's going to crack down on the airlines. He's also against raising the retirement age from 65 to 67. I want to get your quick thoughts on that. Would that help solve some of the problems that we're seeing right now that are not vaccine related, but just in terms of some of the staffing shortages and the pilot shortages if we raise that age a couple years? All they're going to be doing is placing a Band-Aid on the situation if that's what they choose to do. So if you raise it from 65 to, to 67, you're, you know, you're just looking at a few-year period there, and then we're back to the same problems that we're currently having. The issues are, are a couple of things. One, the airlines need to make this career path a lot more attractive than what they've done in the past. Um, if they were to assist with training costs of, of new pilots trying to get in, into the industry, that would make an impact as well, because it is very expensive uh, to become an airline pilot. But ultimately, what they need to do is address the bleeding that they're going to be seeing over the next few years from these vaccine-injured pilots. We need to put screening programs in place immediately to make sure that we, that we catch things, especially like myocarditis, these cardiac events. And the reason I say this is so important is that myocarditis, per the cardiologists that we work with, has over a 50% mortality rate within a five-year period. 
And more concerning than that, around 70 to 75% of people with myocarditis have zero symptoms. That means you have pilots out here and other people in this country that are ticking time bombs, walking around with something that could has a 50% mortality rate within five years, and they don't even realize they have a problem until, like Captain Bob Snow, they go into cardiac arrest in the flight deck. And when they're flying, and that is incredibly, incredibly concerning. I'm thanking you so much for blowing the whistle on this because you and your organization are the only ones that are really doing it. And I also want to give you guys a big thank you because I said this way back when you guys were standing up for your rights. It's going to take people like you that are truly essential that could shut air travel down to stand up. And I think one of the reasons the government had to back down on a lot of their vaccine mandates and even the mask mandates is because people like you and people in your organization said we've had it and we're not going to fly. And that would really bring the country to a halt. It would bring a lot of travel to a halt. And the airlines don't want to lose money because if there's one thing that they love more than political grandstanding, it's money. So we're going to blow the whistle on this and we hope that it gets better. And we hope that these pilots can get the help that they need. And it's such a bad situation. They were forced into this. We're going to follow the story and bring us back more as you guys keep fighting this battle. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Josh. All right, still ahead, Amanda Nsing is an Instagram influencer with millions of followers. She even had a deal with Sephora until they found out she was not only a conservative, but a vocal one, the horror. Well, Amanda joins me in studio next. She's a beauty and lifestyle influencer who has amassed millions of followers across social media. She was even a brand ambassador for Sephora. But that all came to a screeching halt when she pointed out the truth about January 6th. But if you think Amanda Ensing was going to go the way of other timid closet conservatives and apologize to avoid the mob, well, you'd be wrong. And she's here now with the whole story. So, Amanda, I've been following everything that's been going on because you took on Sephora. Mm -hmm. But they got really mad about a particular tweet. And we have the tweet. Um, we're going to show it for my audience to see. And I'm going to let them be the deciders on this one. I'm reading it. You know what it says. There's nothing in there to me that is beyond the pale. But Sephora got very, very angry about that particular tweet. How did it all go down? Yeah, I mean, you know, I was pretty quiet when it came to politics. Just told people, you know, educate yourself, like be informed. But the whole beauty industry is very left and they've been louder and louder and louder about it. And so I got to a point where I was like, what's happening in our country? This is not okay. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to be vocal. Like, how can you not see clearly what's happening? And I've seen the left and the industry just push all of these lies and propaganda and they hate America. So then when you call them out on their hate for America based off their words and, and their actions, they get mad about it. They're like little toddlers. They don't like it. Well, they were also very okay, and Sephora being one of them, but all major companies, really, I can't think of a major company that didn't post a black square. I can't yeah. think of a major company right. that didn't come out BLM raging during the summer of love, the riot season of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. They were all for that kind of political violence. They applauded that kind of political violence, and they were pretty forthright about their cheering for that kind mm -hmm. of political violence. But then when it came to your tweets, all of a sudden they blew the whistle or how did that go down? Yeah, I mean, even in 2020, like any influencer that spoke out about like writing and burning is not okay. You were canceled, you were shut down, you were told it's justified, like it's their reparations, et cetera, et cetera. I remember a really big brand at Sephora, their founder saying, making a joke about making like a graffiti looter hair cream or something like that, laughing about a store that was conservative that got looted in California. Sephora and none of these brands had any issue with that. And when it came to what happened on the 6th, I'm like, look, this is there's so much corruption happening. Everything, you can just see it very clearly if you, you're paying attention, but 
the people online that are the loudest when it comes to politics have no idea what's happening in our country. They're so disconnected. They just follow whatever the media says, whatever Hollywood says. And so when I was calling them out, and I'm also, like I said multiple times, I'm, I'm not for violence. Violence on any side is wrong. Somehow we're still violent for just being conservative. And conservatives are not accepted in the beauty industry. If you say anything about conservative or Christian values, you're canceled. Does that mean that there aren't a lot of conservatives in the industry or that the conservatives that are in the industry are just very, very quiet? They're, they're quiet. A lot of people too, I, I, like I never call people out, they voted for Trump, but publicly they pretended that they didn't. But if you have a business, you vote conservative. If, if you make good money, if you wanna have a successful business, you vote for what's gonna help your business, which is conservative, which is Trump, the best economy that we had, but publicly they won't say it because they're afraid of being canceled. Did any of them come to you when you were in the process of being canceled, when Sephora was coming after you, was allegedly defaming you? Did any of them send you a message and say, hey, I'm with you, or I wish I could be with you? Anything like that from the fellow silent conservatives? in your industry? I got some of that in like fashion and some other people that I hadn't really been aware of. But as far as the people that were in my circle, they some people publicly said, hey, you know, I'm just affiliating with Amanda. But then their spouse were, were calling us weeks before talking about how they're voting for Trump and everything's crazy in California, but publicly they disaffiliated. That's what makes me so angry because we've seen it happen with so many people. It's happened to me. I have people that I'm friends with but then they can't ever be publicly friends with yeah. me. I've had conversations with a lot of well-known liberals, Trevor Noah being one of them, who wanted to meet up with me and talk with me after the show, but then as soon as they were called out on it, it's like, oop, same thing with Charlemagne the God. Oop, oh, oh, everyone's getting mad. You can't even be friends with people anymore. If the cancel culture mob goes after one person, these people are so quick to just throw you out and throw you under the bus, yep. and that's what happened to you. Yep. Same thing, same thing. And, and it's crazy because I have a low tolerance for people who have no spine, who have no courage, because all these brands, all people have to do is say, hey, we value people with both opinions. We can disagree and be friends, but it's it's not like that at all. Cancel culture is just destroying our country. So you actually took it a step further beyond just calling it out and refusing to apologize and back down. You actually said, I'm going after Sephora because you guys are defaming me and essentially taking money out of my pocket. I'm an influencer. You guys are telling people I'm a racist. Tell me about how that lawsuit went down and where you are with it now. Yeah, so when Sephora started publicly posting that I don't fit in with their values of inclusivity, that they've disaffiliated, like they made it a, a big story. And so here I am, just someone who is being told, hey, you've got to take the sponsorship down, you've got to take it down. When they knew I, I was conservative, I had asked their representative of the agency, like, I'm Christian, I'm conservative, is that okay, I get criticism? They said it was okay. And then all of a sudden, Sephora gets one comment from a bot account saying I'm part of a dangerous MAGA group, whatever that means. And Sephora just cuts all ties and starts tweeting about it and posting about it. And so, you know, I was like, well, I'm going to tell my story because this isn't right. You know, I'm Puerto Rican. I'm technically a person of color by their standards. So is my husband, who's an immigrant from Brazil. They claim to be for people of color and, and immigrants and all these things. But if you're conservative, it's not okay. And if we don't have freedom of speech, we don't have freedom. So I said, well, I'm not going to stand for this. Cancel culture is destroying the fabric of our country right now. And so I decided that I was going to take them to court and sue them for defamation. Um, they posted my name and all of these allegations and defam defamatory statements about me in their chat groups, um, on social media. We also had an email we had posted from a whistleblower that works in Sephora saying I allegedly posted ra uh, racially insensitive content that I made light of a death at the Capitol, which why would I make fun of that at all if you've seen my social media, my character? Um, 
but also that person was conservative. It doesn't really make any sense. And when you have someone like Sephora, who's a trendsetter and one of the biggest, if not the biggest beauty companies saying, hey, this influencer is, is a bad person, brands aren't gonna do their research. They're just gonna say, okay, she's out. So when they did that, I stopped getting PR from brands when I used to receive boxes, you know, all throughout the week. That's how I do my job. It's how I review makeup. And so, you know, for the left to say they, they empower women, but then also say, let's defund women who don't think like us is disgusting. It's beyond wrong. So this is taking money literally out of your yeah, pocket. Yeah, absolutely. As an influencer. Absolutely. And you think that's why there are so many closet conservatives that are terrified to come out Absolutely. because they're afraid to lose the money? Yeah, because everything for them is, you know, how do you put food on the table? And a lot of, you know, I don't have kids yet, but still I have bills to pay like everyone else. But a lot of influencers, well, have kids, they have families, and they know that if they say anything against the mainstream, even if it aligns with their faith, they'll get canceled. And these brands are so spineless, they won't stand and say, hey, we support everyone because most of them are liberal. The few beauty brands that are closet conservatives will never speak on it, and they bow to the mob every time, which encourages it. Which is also weird to me, because I've been saying this, obviously, for many years. Conservatives buy makeup. Yep. Conservatives like fashion. Yep. In fact, if you look at a lot of conservatives, I'm going to be honest, maybe I'm a little biased, but they tend to just look a little better. You know, it, it just if you look and at the protesters, <laughs> look at the protesters. I mean, there I'm sure that there are beautiful, wonderful liberals and we've seen a lot of them. You look at the protesters, maybe, you know, not not the most hygienic, yeah. maybe not the most traditional hair and makeup and all that. We'll just yeah. leave it there. But Conservatives buy this stuff. The same thing I was saying about Bravo. I'm a big Bravo fan. So I love hair. I love makeup. I love Bravo. I love all these things. It's yeah. like, oh my God, conservatives, we like this stuff too. Yeah. Oh no. But then Bravo started being all woke in 2020. That made me sick. And then the same thing that happened to you. They have a housewife on the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City who said something very similar to you about don't riot, don't loot, don't burn, support sense. law enforcement. Boom, canceled. And then everybody on the show was like, hmm, we don't want to talk to her. Meanwhile, they were friends with her and have been friends with her, but all of a sudden everyone backs away. Does the industry not understand that if they serviced conservatives the same way they service liberals, that they would quadruple their profit margin? Correct. I mean, honestly, too, like the thing is, when the whole thing happened to me in Sephora and all these conservative women and surprisingly liberal women and, and independent in the middle as well said, hey, this isn't OK. And I would notice that it looked like Sephora was deleting comments. Like I would get messages from people saying, hey, I'm atheist, which I'm very bold about my faith in, in, in God. And so I remember getting this, hey, I'm atheist, I'm left. But, you know, Sephora, they alleged Sephora was deleting their comments. And, you know, then you would just see the ones that they're kind of tailoring. And it's crazy because conservatives make a lot of money. We work very hard and we love makeup. We love glam and we are the majority. And it's just that the left is is louder and they've got Hollywood and they've got the media. So I think that's why conservatives are getting finally tired of it. Like say something, stand up for something. It's glad you brought that up because I talk a lot about cancel culture and we blame the left for it. But if we're being honest, we have to take a little bit of the blame upon our, ourselves as conservatives because we are so afraid of being canceled. Not you, not me, yeah. but other conservatives are so afraid of being canceled. And I tell people like you, I don't have a lot of time for spineless conservatives. I don't have yeah. a lot of time for conservatives who want to bitch and moan about everything going on in the country. Yeah. But then they're like, but not me. I can't say it. Why? You can't say it. I understand if you're worried about a paycheck. I understand if you're worried about feeding your family. But these are people that are in the industry, that are in the entertainment industry, that are making a ton of money. And if they would just stand up, boy, maybe we could make some changes. But they're so scared. Yep. Do you think that there is going to be a time 
when these conservatives with platforms that have a cushion of money finally get fed up enough to stop being so spineless and gutless? I hope so, but it's like also I, I wish people would realize that if you took a stand for something, because right now where we're at as a country, people in the middle, the lukewarm, people are disinterested. They're losing their engagement online. People are, if your silence is political. So when you don't say anything, people kind of know you're a closet conservative. They just won't cancel you until you say something. And I remember when everything was happening in our country, I was like, I'm not going to let anyone try to cancel me. I'm taking the narrative. I'm going to be bold. Like, this is my voice. And I, I get so tired of people saying they value freedom of speech, but they don't value it enough to exercise their own. And so I think people like you and people like me are giving them courage, right? But it's time for people to take a stand. Like, pick a side, stand on the side, and you'll be surprised at how many people, I feel like if anyone watching, they'll be surprised at how many people stand with them and how many people agree with them. But you shouldn't have to have a cushion of money to be bold because right. there are people that have lost so much from their medical decisions to freedom, like lost jobs. You don't have that cushion. And it's like, if they can do it, why can't you? If you have a big platform, start your own business. Start right. doing other things, but people depend on these brands. And I learned that. I was like, I don't want to depend on brands anymore. I want to take it in, into my own hands. I want to create my own beauty industry because you're not free if you're a slave to these brands and you have to censor your voice. And there are so many that are behind you, but just in conclusion, where things stand right now, your Instagram is still popping, it's still thriving. Obviously, you don't have the same ease of getting the products or getting the sponsorships or, or getting the endorsement deals, but where does your content stand now, especially with the way that the algorithms yeah. work and how they throttle yeah. your success? Whenever I, this whole story, and I told my story about Sephora, I was gaining subscribers like crazy when conservative outlets started posting me, but I talked to this as well with Laura Trump when, when I went on her, her show. They don't let us grow. They'll make sure I lose just a few more than I gain. Yep. And I'll see the analytics coming in and live. And I'm like, but this isn't, this isn't true. This isn't real. And knowing what we know about big tech and all the nefarious things that happen, I'm like, they won't let you grow because they want to control the narrative. Like I just had a reel get like 17 million views last week. How come you're not letting me grow? I'm seeing the followers come in, but you don't let me grow. Um, so, you know, when it comes to my content, I've been working on my own beauty brand since 2019. So before this whole thing, I, I was still living in LA and everything that happened with me pushed me to get that brand, which we're gonna launch soon out quicker because I'm like, we need a new beauty industry. Like makeup is such an important part of women's lives. It empowers us and emboldens mm -hmm. us. And the last year and a half, I'm like, there are no conservative brands, beauty brands, at least that are vocal. So you know what you do then? Instead of taking a piece of the pie from all these leftist brands, you take the entire pie and get all the conservatives Correct. on board. Boy, it's sure worked out Correct. well for, you know, for certain outlets that have decided, you know what, we're not gonna yep. play in the middle. If you guys yep, aren't no, gonna service vocal. this audience, then we'll service the yep. audience and we'll take in all the money and we'll have 100% of it. Yep. So that's the perfect game plan. Obviously, you know that I support you okay. and you're doing amazing things. And thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for being a strong woman yep. who, when this all went down, you refused to apologize. You refused to kiss the ring and I'll bow to the bow. mob. I'll never I know bow. that you won't, but yeah. you know what? A lot of spineless conservatives, yeah. either they don't say something or when they do say something, then they turn tail and start apologizing. That's BS, no and I don't give credit to those people. So good for you, and uh, I'm looking forward to your beauty line yeah. because Thanks, we're behind you on that. Yeah. And you look beautiful, so, so it's you. a testament to that. <laughs> All right, still ahead, Canada is ruining baseball for Americans, and oh, I have some final thoughts. I'm fired up, and that's next. 
communist wannabe Canada is mucking up America's pastime, and if the MLB or MLBPA had any guts at all, they'd put an end to it right now. Oh, you bet I have some final thoughts. Canada, our friendly yet increasingly communist neighbor to the north, has a mandatory COVID vaccine mandate thanks to their almighty prime minister, Sir Trudeau, Lord of the Dorks. And Canada has every right to have that mandate, no matter how ludicrous, tyrannical and nonsensical it is. However, the fact that Major League Baseball and worse, the MLB Players Association has allowed this mandate to muck up the league for the other 29 teams is an embarrassment to the game and to the Americans who invented it. The Toronto Blue Jays are getting away with what amounts to competitive murder. Some of the best players and the best teams have had to sit out of away games up north simply because they made the personal choice not to get vaxxed. And it might have been passable earlier in the season, but as we get closer to trade deadlines, the postseason and the World Series, this Canadian mandate is an absolute farce. If the Blue Jays make it to the World Series, are unvaccinated players from the opposing team really going to have to sit out games? What a joke. I watch MLB Network every night, and to hear some of their commentators talk about the selfishness of unvaccinated players makes me so mad I want to rip the TV off the freaking wall. It's not unvaccinated players to blame here. It's not their selfishness or cluelessness. It's the league's ballessness. Hello, the vaccine doesn't prevent infection or spread. All COVID vax mandates are utterly ridiculous and nothing more than a control mechanism meant to appease wannabe dictators and line the pockets of big pharma. If the MLB had any guts at all, it would refuse to hold games in Canada until the vax mandate is dropped. Why is America's greatest game kowtowing to Canada and Trudeau? And to the league's excuse of a commissioner, Rob Manfred, I'd ask, where does this BS end? The MLB has already had talks of expanding its presence into places like China and Cuba. Are you going to placate to their policies, too? If the MLB expands to other unfree countries, does the league placate to anti-LGBTQ mandates, human rights abuse, oppression of women? Where does it end? Where is the line? Because you better draw it and you better start with Canada. My fiancé was drafted by the Blue Jays and played in Toronto for most of his career. Now, he probably won't be let back into any team reunions or the country as a whole after I say all this, but too bad. America's game should never bow to Canada's rules. Furthermore, the fact that any country, including our own, still has COVID infringements is laughable and a perfect example of why liberals should never be left in charge. And those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless and take care.